Hello and welcome to the Elemental Magic Podcast where we talk to amazing women. We discuss the elements and all of the things that they do and we look at it in little bite-sized pieces. I'm Katia, Elemental Guide, Spiritual Mentor, Reiki Practitioner and Circle Facilitator. You will find me most days working from home amongst the trees in Melbourne surrounded by my hubby, my four boys that are big boys now, and doing my work in the world. I have a love for holding space for women to truly come home to all of what they are. So let's dive in. morning everybody I am very blessed to have the beautiful Lindsay here with me today on the pod this podcast interview so we're just going to dive straight in because you know that's what I do let's not worry about all the fluff that goes before that so Lindsay thank thank you so much for coming on I'm so excited to have you and I'm so excited to hear your story your journey and I believe you have an amazing book, which we're going to put into the notes so everybody knows where to find it. But first up, let's do, tell me about you. Tell me about me. Well, good morning and thank you for the opportunity to chit chat. It's uh, one of my superpowers. It's something I've always done and I never thought that I would sort of be doing things like this. So it's very exciting in my um you know, coming up to the middle age, doing different things. So I was born in the UK, um, one of a tribe of six children, uh, four burly brothers and one beautiful sister. And I have an um, Irish father, and there's a, there's a reason why I'm telling you this, but Irish father, English mother, I've got freckles, red slash going grey hair, and um, I met an Australian soccer player when I was 19 years old. Yes, he was randomly, randomly living in England for about six months next door to me and I didn't meet him for seven months because he would walk out one front door and turn right, I would walk out the other front door and turn left and we never met for that long and then eventually we did and I said, hmm, if I still know you by the end of this week, could I move to Australia with you forever and ever? (laughs) I did. And he said, okay, crazy lady. (laughs) And you know what? 28 years later and two kids and uh, we're still going strong. So, Wow, that's amazing. I know. He actually knew the girl that I was with. She was a soccer player. I don't do sport. You're lucky I walk in a straight line at the best of times. Like, I am not sporty. And um, he knew her. So while they were chatting, I was in dreamland thinking, my goodness me. And I'm from a place called Preston in Lancashire, which is near Liverpool, Manchester. And um, when he, the reason why he, he took caught my eye was going up the stairs. He actually opened the door for us. And I thought, blokes where I come from don't open doors for girls. <laughs> He had like a really strong tan and I thought you're not from these parts and it intrigued me. So yes, I ended up landing in Australia in 1997 and became a teacher 
So I got a teaching certificate and set off in the world of work, um, work, travel, work, travel. You know, I lived to travel. I've traveled to many, many countries in the world with my um, husband, John. And yeah, I'm a mom. I live on the Mornington Peninsula, which is a blessing in itself. Um, I keep trying to move and then I go, no, love the peninsula. <laughs> um, yeah, just hopping back to England every second year. And of course, COVID put a stop to that. But uh, just loving life, Katia. I just really, I'm an energetic person. I, I, I'm a people person. Um, I've always had a great pile of friends and life was really great. Um, and then we got a bit of a speed bump in our family um, in 2004. I decided to, we decided to get married. So we got married and um, we got married in morning in Mount Eliza. Actually, there's a story. We got married on the beach. I didn't know when I paid, the, you got to pay a fee to marry in a public place. And it was back then in 2004, it was $12. <laughs> I bet it's not that now. <laughs> but um, it was a nudist beach and I didn't know. <laughs> I wasn't nude, by the way. I wasn't. And uh, I would have got really bad sunburn. Because remember the part where I told you I've got an Irish father? Uh -huh. I've got fairy skin. <laughs> so, um, yeah, got married, honeymooned in Thailand, went over to England to really discover Europe. Because when I was young and I was growing up, there was eight of us in a small house. We didn't have a lot of cash flow. And unbelievably... The first time I got on an aircraft was to travel to Australia. And I thought, wow. oh, yeah, I just, we, I'd never been on an airplane before. Um, so when I did my first short haul flight, I was thinking, gosh, I just blinked and I was there, you know, because my first flight was so long. Um, but I got there and after 12 weeks, my baby brother, who's now 36, and I'll always call him my baby brother, he was diagnosed with cancer. And he was 19 years old. Wow. Yeah, and it really rocked our family. It absolutely devastated my parents. He was the youngest of, like I say, the baby of the family, youngest of six. And, um, yeah, it was non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, and he was very, very unwell because what had happened is typically uh, a young man didn't go to a doctor. He's like, you know, that Aussie up, she'd be right. And he didn't go and unfortunately had late stage three um, and he lost about 30 kilos. He battled and battled and I, and I ended up resigning from my teaching position in Australia because there was no way I was going to leave my kid brother, even though he was 19, um, unwell. So I didn't. I waited until, you know, it took him two years of chemotherapy because he was, his x-rays were like a snowstorm. It was, it was horrible. Um, but, you know, he recovered from that. And um, the, the great news is, like I say, he's 36 now and he had a partner for four years and told he could never have kids and had to freeze sperm and all that sort of stuff. And on April Fool's Day, I had a little baby girl, naturally this year. Yeah. <laughs> just great. So, you know, it, it was a hard time. It was a rough time, but he got through it and it all went well. However, this is why there's a book. So 10 years later, I'm sat in my house here, here on the peninsula. And um, back then we were using Skype a lot. So my sister Skypes me and she's, got, she's pregnant for the first time with her partner of 10 years. They never got married. They were too busy like us traveling and living life. 
and um, oh, it's a piece of paper sort of thing. And they were absolutely loving life. And um, she said to me, oh, you know, you're going to have to sit down for this. And there was a great big pregnant tummy. It was my sister's, my only sister's first baby. And she said, I've just been diagnosed with breast cancer. Oh, well, I was devastated and did what every good sister should. Hopped on a flight, went over there to look after the baby. So the baby had to be born five days later. She was premature, but super healthy. And is a glowing seven-year-old girl today. Yeah. And it was really tough, like really tough. And our nana had had breast cancer twice and she died. It came back in her brain because there's five parts of the body where breast cancer comes back, you know, liver, bones, brain and all that stuff. And it did, it came back and she died two weeks after her 60th birthday. Um, and then my other, our other nana had breast cancer, but then it, she got leukemia and she died at 64 as well. Yeah. So it, we, we knew that there was cancer in our family, but we didn't really take note. Um, it was surface knowledge that we knew. Yeah. Uh, and, and I suppose historically and through the media, we know breast cancer as being a lump and you either live or you die. Yep. Yeah. So that's all we had. And then... When my sister got it, ridiculously, looking back now with hindsight, and this is why I do what we do, which I'll get to in a minute, I, I had that same attitude. She's got a lump, which, by the way, was six centimetres in her left breast. They think it was accelerated. Well, they know it was accelerated by the hormone in her body when it was growing the uterus, um, growing the baby um, in her uterus. So... Um, Oh, gosh, it was just an awful time. Even now when I think about it, it makes me get the heebie-jeebies. So had the, and then nine days after the baby, she had a single mastectomy because the tumour was just so big and we had the history of Nana and Nana. So yeah. then she, yeah, she had a single mastectomy and then not long after that, not even two weeks, I think, she had chemotherapy. So when you have chemotherapy and it is type dependent, but you're actually toxic for between... 48 hours in like two weeks. So she could not touch her baby, could not touch her newborn baby. So it was really, really tough. And I, anyway, I, I had two small kids by that time. And Johnny and I, you know, we had Layla, who's now 14, and Lennox, who's now 12. But back then they were small. Um, so I had to get back to Australia and, you know, be mum and all that stuff. So I got back and leaving my sister and getting on that flight is one toughest days of my life just knowing what I was leaving it was awful and you sort of really think hard and long about why you left your homeland and, and I went through a tough time when I got back I must say it was extremely stressful yeah. and I don't know whether the stress and cancer and <clears throat> any research done out there but I tell you what I don't know whether that's linked to some of my issues that I've had since then but that day that flight, I feel sorry for everyone around me because I just sobbed the whole way home to Australia. It was really tough. Um, but you know what? I'm from good stock. She beat that bloody thing and she took off the other ruby and, you know, she went and had an implant put in one and she's had, um, um, what's that word? See, this is what happens. I have chemo, brain. No, um, expander. She had an expander. Yes, 
but an expander put in. So she's got an expander in one and an implant in the other. And then it, essentially they built the other one with an implant. So she's got good looking boobs. She's got a big baby. She was told she could never have any more kids, but she was blessed because she had Ivy and life was great. So I was like, shoo, shoo, all good. Ooh. Four years later, she rings me up. And I'm in Brisbane. Oh, no, I just got back from Brisbane. I was back about four days from Brisbane. And I remember actually swimming up to my husband in the pool at my sister-in-law's um, in Queensland. And it was New Year's Eve. And I'd had a few cheeky wines. And um, I remember throwing my arm around him. And I don't know whether your audience listings say this a lot, but I actually said, because I felt it, this is the best summer of my life. Because it felt, it. I felt it was and it all went downhill from there. <laughs> it wasn't good, Katya. So, two, four, like four days after I got back, I got the phone call again. It was early in the morning. It was about 7 a.m. And it was my sister. And she was really stoic and stuff. But she just said the two words that you never, ever, ever wanted to hear. And she just said it's back. And I just thought to myself, you know, once, yeah, survivable. My brother survived. Three strikes, you're out. And in that phone call, I, I choked. I'm a really, apart from when I'm telling this story, I'm, I'm not a crier. I'm four brothers. I had to battle four brothers growing up. Like, I'm tough. <laughs> you have to be. Yeah, absolutely. But that day, worse, worse than what happened to me. That day was horrific. I really struggled to take that call in fact in the book I write I had to give it to my husband walked down the bottom of the garden screamed god knows what the neighbors thought took me 10 minutes got my cup of tea because I'm a, a palm and I love my cup of tea and then I had to call her back and um then you go into battle mode because she's so angry and I thought she was going to die but catch her she didn't die she's still with us she was unbelievably a much later stage than her first diagnosis and it came back in her neck so it came back a secondary breast cancer in her lymphatic system in her supraclavicular so the collarbone area yep, yep. and it was late stage three again so we had that trauma again and she said to me Pauline's go and get yours checked. And I said, well, you know what, since you and all the crap we've been through, I'm a checker. I had an ultrasound eight months ago. I was on yearly checks then. Um, and it was all good. And said, Please go and check. And so I had the crap of dealing with my sister's second diagnosis. And I did for her and I went and got a, and my doctor said, we'll give you an ultrasound and a mammogram because of what's happened. And there was a four centimetre tumour sat in my right breast, four centimetres, and I had no idea it was there. I was working full time. I was non-symptomatic at the time, and I just lost it. Mm. I was so mad. Not teeth, like I was cross. The fierce redhead came out of me, let me tell you. And I was really cross because I thought, what the hell is happening to our family? Imagine being my parents. Yeah. It was like dominoes, boom, boom, boom. And to see a mum drop to her knees 
and wail is just horrific. And my sister and I had the same cancer in the same month at the same year. And we lived in different countries. And I was like, how do they choose? And of course, I forced them to stay in the UK. She was younger. She, I was stage two. She was stage three. She had a younger child than us. I didn't have family here at all, but my friends and my family, and I think that's what you do when you're an immigrant. And I began a journey that I never, ever, ever want anyone to ride. Yeah. But that's a little bit about me. <laughs> yeah. There's good stuff as well, but, you know, that's, that's, I guess, why would I talking because of what's happened since then. So do you want me to talk a little bit about that? Well, um, why not? Let's let's go there. Because my next question would be, what are you passionate about? And you're obviously passionate about that, so let's do it. Brilliant. So I'm really passionate that, um, <clears throat> number one, my beautiful book, which is a memoir, and it's a slice of time. And since writing it, a hell of a lot's happened. So I launched in July during the pandemic. And um, I was waiting to do it in a bookstore or a library, but that wasn't a possibility. But my... my no, my book is, I call it like um, nitty gritty of breast cancer. <clears throat> Even though my husband said I should call it the titty gritty, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't. Um, I called it the little things. And my, my daughter um, named it actually, because we were sat in Dramana having an ice cream on one of the crap days. And... Um, she said to me, I said, I love sitting here with you. I've learned how to be really present, you see. And I said, I love sitting with here with you, Layla. And she said, yeah, just little things. It's cute, isn't it? She said, you should call your book that, Mum. Just the little things that matter. And so that's really, yeah, that's the, it's called The Little Things of Breast Cancer Memoir. And um, for anyone listening, I will drop you the link and drop you an image of the book. I went through um, Green Hill Publishers and got all my thoughts down, but I wanted to write it because I wanted people to see behind the scenes of a breast cancer diagnosis. And because ours was layered with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, a couple of nanas and two sisters, you know, we did get a little bit of media attention across the world. Um, you know, my sister surprised us and she turned up in Australia and we got on Channel 7 News and things like that. And um, this is a really weird fact because I know one of your questions was tell me something random. Here's the random fact. My sister's surprise of me turning up in Australia and surprising us, both going through, um, you know, we were both fairly bold, our hair was fairly new, um, got 1,000 hits less than the Queen's speech at Christmas that year. <laughs> it's so random. But yeah, if you look on um, YouTube, the Queen's speech at Christmas and our reunion, which was on the 23rd of December, there's a thousand hits less. <laughs> so yeah, pretty big story. But um, yeah, so as a result, I wrote the book and then I thought to myself, I need, I was being told by people that were reading this in my social circle, my small network, this book needs to be in the handbag of every woman going through a breast cancer diagnosis. It needs to be in the hands of every female that wants to know about breast cancer and what to look for because I made it, I've been quite strategic in the way I've done my memoir. I've um, 
brought questions in there. There's QR codes where I might write about radiation. There might be a funny anecdote and you can QR hover over it. Before the world went QR code mad, by the way. Um, and you get to watch it in real time. Uh, or not real time, but you know, you get to watch the video recording of what happened to us. And um, that little book, The Little Things, has landed in the lap of Mia Friedman and been endorsed by her on Instagram. It has been sent um, to me by Samuel Johnson in a video because I was a guest speaker after Samuel Johnson with a huge audience of about 500 Intimo reps. Yeah. And it has made um, the top three on the BCNA personal stories website for people that can reach out and want a personal read. And it landed in the laps of many men, actually, that have bought it for the, the women in their lives. So it's not just for women and it's not just for breast cancer. It's a really great humanitarian story that people have said to me when we feel like we're sitting with you and having a cup of tea and just listening to your story. So I, I'm not so much of an author as more of a raconteur, like I'm quite a good storyteller, but yeah. it's, it's doing things. So then, because I really wanted to get the book into a wider space, I decided to set up a Facebook group where I... promote my book and promote other breast cancer things that have you know coming along I'm, I'm launching two next year but um and they, they all start with the little as well because that's this is a thing I'm only five foot two <laughs> <laughs> um, so I set up this Facebook group and I didn't realize the impact it was going to have and like you you know you're connecting people and talking about things well that's what I, I do it's called breast practice because I think that it's sort of like where you come and people's real life stories like mine act as education for those that have never had a breast yes do you feel that vibe absolutely absolutely can 100% relate to that because I've been doing something very similar with what I'm talking about as well and sharing my story. And my story is not all fuzzy, warm and beautiful. My story is struggle. And, and I think we need to talk about that sort of stuff so much more. And that's why I wanted to talk to you because um, my sister has had breast cancer, fairly mm -hmm. aggressive breast cancer, quite young. Um, and, and I think we, even though it is in the media, but we don't talk about it. We don't talk about, um, you said you've had radiation. Like, we don't, we need to know as women, we, uh, I'm going on a tangent here, I'll finish in a minute. But as women, we are, we are designed to gather. We are designed to share our story. We are, that, that's how we're made up. That's, that's who we are. We've lost that. Yeah, I agree. Like I'm, like I say, my background is in education, and you walk into any forty strong staff room with predominantly females in it, and the noise. Oh, the noise! It's usually me, by the way. But the, <laughs> you know, we're talkers, and we can. We, we are born to connect. We need others, and so breast practice was born from that knowledge of that. Combine it with 
real life stories which people connect to and and there's nearly 650 women in 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 six months in 25 weeks so yeah people are really sitting up and going all right okay because it would seem well i know statistically that breast cancer is on the rise but breast cancer death is is on the decline which is great news which means it's very beatable however if we can get there early and detect those noticeable signs early, then you've got a greater chance of survival, which is what we want. And, and speaking of early, it's also this breast practice group is about what to look for. Because like I said, media-wise, historically, it's a lump. A lump and you live or you die. Well, guess what? It's absolutely not. And they advertise this um, company called Know Your Lemons say all oh, the 12 signs are and for a long time when i've been doing my presentations i would say 12 signs but since doing breast practice there's way more mm. i'm up to, yeah there's absolutely way more i've lost count how many but little things like um animals detecting breast cancer um strangely cat was tapping on a lady's breast she had breast cancer there just the cat would not stop tapping um, a bruise an enlarged vein through the breast um, that she just thought oh, it's because I was warm, it was summer, breast cancer. Um, so there's lots and lots of things that I'm doing. And what I try and do is I try and find, and, and it's working, really interesting people and really interesting stories. So um, I, I recently had a 74-year-old man to talk about male breast cancer because usually male breast cancer comes in the nipple area or behind the nipple. Yes. Um, this week I had a lady who was diagnosed at 12 weeks and I didn't know anything about how a woman can have breast cancer treatment and the baby survive. So I got her on. Talk to Why me. Not? Talk to me for 30 minutes, but tell, you know, the wider audience. So it's about knowledge, knowledge, knowledge. So breast practice is um, an opportunity for me to connect with women weekly. I go on live for 30 minutes. And also um, it's an opportunity for me to promote my book and my upcoming items that are coming so it's like a, it's like a bit of a win-win and finally the great big thing that i'm so passionate about and i did it all the way through october i did 16 of them is i have a presentation that goes for an hour there's a 45 minute one as well but mostly an hour and it is called trauma to triumph and i full on give you an hour of my time i give all the knowledge that i know and the feedback from that is out of this world like 20 women 20 year old women 50 year old men people are coming to me and going thank you so much i'm so educated i can't believe this is the best professional development i've ever had so i'm currently trying to hit the corporate world with that so i used october as a bit of a leverage a bit of a you know what am i doing see if it works got feedback 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 used my friends to do it and it was incredible yeah. Wow, how amazing. Make Thanks. sure, you, yeah, when you send me all of that stuff, yeah, pop all of that in there because I'm. Um, I think we've almost sort of covered everything that we need to cover, and I know that you have something else to do. So I'm just going to skip to the last question and tell me three life tips. Oh, I love this one. Well, first of all, I wanted to say. One of the biggest lessons that I've learned with all this that's going on is don't sweat the small stuff. Yes. Like, don't worry about it. If someone takes your lane, if someone doesn't say thank you when you give them the give way, you know, chill out. Don't get involved with the road rage. 
Um, your kids leave their shoes, so what? Soon your kids will be grown up and there won't be shoes there. It'll just be you and John and I with walking sticks. Like, enjoy the moment and be present. That's my biggest lesson. But my three, friend, uh, my three tips are, you touched on it earlier, so smash the taboo. Yes, your breasts and your vagina are private parts but let's throw the private element out of the conversation. Instead of saying to someone that you're close to or an acquaintance or a work colleague, how are the kids or how's work? Ask them, a friend of mine, a friend of a friend of a friend has had a diagnosis. How are you? Are you up to date with your mammograms? Did you know you can get one from 40? Are you up to date with your checks? Do you ever feel your boobs? I've met this crazy girl called Lindsay and she talks about boobs all the time <laughs> you get everybody to check their boobs on check yourself tuesdays <laughs> so it's about breaking away from that sweep it under the carpet attitude let's smash the taboo break the tradition and talk more because it starts with us it starts with a dinner table conversation if you're too shy to talk to your colleagues or anybody external talk to your family don't be shy away from major health needs um so that's number one number two is self-care i know there's a lot of stuff out there i recently spoke with a beautiful lady um on ronnie leonardo on breast practice and she just said there's seven daily things that you can do i won't go into them now but just love yourself because if you love you and build you then you're a great you for the people around you um you, you know if you're in a bad mood you do. You grow up, you take it out on your kids. You, your hubby doesn't get a happy person. <laughs> so self-care is my number two. Do it. Don't just hear about it and maybe think about doing it. Just look after yourself. And the final one is my all-time favourite. I'm probably undiagnosed ADHD somewhere. Hand on heart, I think so. I think my son is as well. But slow down. So what, what cancer has brought to my family is the element of the ability to be able to see life in high definition now. And I'm sure your sister feels the same. Seeing life in high definition and enjoying the small things, or little things, should I say, um, is really super important. And I think that um, connecting with those that you love and embracing the moments that they give and sitting back and being an observer and certainly being present um in the past i might have been texting someone or something while my daughter's telling me a story about drama at school or whatever today the phone goes down and i give her my blue eyes and i say right okay and i listen and i'm present so be more present with people that you're close to because you know what we nearly had our lives taken from us. Without intervention, my brother, my sister, and myself would definitely be dead with the stages that we were with our cancer. And we weren't, you know, there's no six feet under for us. So just learn from me, embrace, slow down, and love the life that you're given. Just so, so, so true so true every single one of those tips and um you know for those who have listened to me on this podcast know that i am a huge self-care advocate i think it is priority in women's lives it must take priority because if we don't take care of ourselves we cannot 
effectively take care of our children and take care of our loved ones or live a functioning life. So, yeah, thank you for touching on that. Absolutely amazing. I have loved this, but I also know that you have somewhere that you need to be. Yes. So, first of all, thank you so much, Lindsay, for sharing all of that. I am going to go and find your Facebook page, Breast Pack practice and join um and please send me all the details for your book i am going to be ordering a copy i want one on my shelf if not for me for my boys i have four boys so i want them to have that as well but biggest biggest thank you to you for your no worry. i am sure i i know i want to include you in another some other things that i'm doing in my world next year but for now, thank you for your time. Thank you for sharing your amazing wisdom. And I cannot wait to read that book. No worries. I will send you a personalized copy uh, once you've ordered. And I'll certainly send you the link for breast practice so you don't need to go hunting. And um, I'm just grateful that you believe in my message. It's vital, healthy conversation. I sat, just to finish, I sat with three parliamentarians um, last week, one of them federal and two of date and um sent them a copy of my book as well so it's doing things the little things so thank you for having me i really appreciate your time have a lovely rest of friday and you I'll talk too to you. you too bye, bye.